Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast, the podcast put on by Lighthouse Educator Development. And our goal with this podcast and every podcast is to inspire and encourage teachers to add value to their teaching craft. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am along with Wilkie Law this evening. And tonight we want to talk about uh, how teachers can't say yes to everything. Wilkie, where do you want to get started tonight? Ah, I guess the first thing we need to probably talk about is, is why. Um, I mean, I think that's the big question that everybody will probably ask. Why can't I say yes to everything? Uh, because, you know, everybody wants to be a team player. And I think that um, we have to make sure that we, we're, we're conscious of who we are and what, we, what we're capable of and we don't put too much on our plates. Right, right. And I think that that thing with the team player aspect was a spot in my teaching career where a lot of times people, people knew they could get me with that, that line. They knew that that was a trigger for me that I wanted so bad to be a team player that when, you know, I was maybe trying to say no to something that was kind mm-hmm. of the thing where they could play off that. And, and I would do some things that I, I knew deep down, I probably didn't need to be doing or shouldn't be doing because we, we were talking before we came on here uh, that is, it's really for teachers. It's just about priorities. And in a situation when you're a teacher, I, I think the misconception I had starting out was that saying no was just saying no, that you didn't want to do something. But now, you know, as we've been talking about, it, and we'll talk about uh, on this podcast, saying no to something as a teacher just means you're saying yes to something else. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the things we talked about earlier was that you have to realize that I'm not saying no to that person. It's not a personal thing. I'm not saying no because I don't want to help you. I'm not saying no because I don't want to contribute. If I say no, it is simply because of the fact that I'm saying yes to something else. I'm saying yes to spending more time developing my craft. I'm saying yes to doing more things to deepen my content knowledge. I'm saying yes to my students and making sure that I'm more effective for them. And I think that when you frame it in that whole notion of, you know, oh, you know, be a team player, take one for the team. You know, my my my, my thing always has been, I don't mind taking one for the team when I know the team will take one for me. Yeah. And, and I think like you were saying there, you know, Saying no is not a personal attack on another person, but when you say no, there are certain people that will attack you personally. And, right. and, and mm-hmm. that's the difference between, like you were saying, people who are on your team and people who are not. People who are on your team, they will respect you for being upfront and being honest and saying, hey, you know, I'd really like to do this, but it, it just doesn't fit into my priorities right now. Or it, or the other thing is a lot of teachers, and, and this is something I wish I would have done better and you've said too, picking things to do that are in my wheelhouse that I can really be effective on. Because there are certain tasks where you, I could do them, but I'm not as effective as someone else would be. Right, right, right. And I think that, but I think that goes around with, 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 with prioritizing, like you said, um, and knowing yourself. Knowing what you are capable of and knowing the things that, that drive you. 
you know, because you can put so much on your plate. I mean, think about even overeating. You know, you go to a buffet, you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you put everything on your plate. And by the time you get back to the table, you're looking at so much on your plate that you're like, "Eh, I really don't want it. Or you take a little bit of this and everything else goes to waste. And I think that as teachers, we, we can't use... Oh, I'm prioritizing as a cop out not to be effect, not to assist other people or not to uh, do more to go the extra mile, so to speak. But if you're going to use it, make sure you have a set of priorities where you're saying, you know what? Hey, I can't do that right now. I have a lot on my plate. You know, if you still need help next week, let me clear this stuff out and I'll ch- I'll come and check with you and see or check back with me and not just saying, no, I'm not going to do it because then. You feel like, you know, people may feel like, oh, you just don't want to contribute to the community as a whole. But I think the community as a whole has to understand that if I'm doing everything else except for what you're asking me to do, that I'm ineffective with what I need to get done. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, that, you know, we talk a lot about new teachers coming into the profession and... As a new teacher, I struggled to prioritize what was important. I struggled to prioritize, you know, which which teacher developments were right for me at that time, you know, how to give assignments that were could be graded quickly and effectively and passed back out and to have all those structures that you you learn over time. And as be a, honest, even as an adult, not even as a teacher, most adults have issues with prioritizing. Right. I mean, you know, I, I you know had a conversation the other day with someone who said, "Oh man, I, you know, I, 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 my life got cut out because I didn't pay my light bill." And I'm saying, "Dude, you're you're 40 years old. How does a 40 year old forget to pay a light bill?" You know, if I said you were picking up a check on this day, you've been at the mailbox five, six times that day to make sure that check was there. So, how is it that you forgot to pay a light bill? I mean, you had the money. It's not that you didn't have it. It, you know, you just didn't make it a priority to where you say, you know what, this is my day that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay all my bills on this day. I'm going to pay these bills on this day. And, but again, I think not just teaching, but adults in general. And you look at the fact that our teaching force every year is getting younger and younger and younger. You know, you have 22, 23, 24 year old teachers who have not yet learned how to prioritize in their own personal lives. Now they're in a classroom making more money than they probably made in their lives. And now the challenge of that work-life balance, when I don't know how to make priorities already, and I find myself in quite a pickle because I don't know which way is up, so to speak. Right. All right. So so let's talk about a little bit about, you know, when you're in that situation where you you've done some good prioritizing and you're in a space where you know um, you can't take something else on, how, how do teachers go about saying no? <laughs> yes, yeah, interesting. Um, uh, in the Coaching Habit, which is a great book, I highly recommend it for anyone who's who's trying to be a leader in any in any field. Um, the Coaching Habit, Michael Bunjay Stainer. He talks about um, how to say no when you can't. And one of the tips that he gives that when someone comes to you with, with a request to do something, the very first thing before you make an assumption to say, yes, I can do it or no, I won't do it. He says, simply ask for clarity. 
Ask them some clarifying questions. What is the time frame that you want this done in? You know, what mechanisms do well, you know what what mechanisms do I have at my disposal? Uh, what are some of the things that I can do? You know, ask clarifying questions to what they're asking you to do. So number one, you can be clear on what they're asking you, and then you can make a determination of whether or not you can do it or not. Number two, you also want to be able to say, based on everything that you're saying, that's not in my wheelhouse. You know, if you come to me and say, hey, I need you to come uh, upload all this, I mean, download, whatever you call it, I'm not techie. You know, if you ask me to go download or upload all these programs on computers or something, I'll tell you right now, could I do it? Yeah. Is that something that's in my wheelhouse? No, I'm not. I'm not a techie person like that. So I would have to get clarification on what's the, what's the time frame because it's going to take me a while to get it done. You know, so um, if it's something you need done immediately, I'm going to have to say, no, nah, I may do one or two for you, but that's not my specialty. That's not my area of expertise. And I, and I think, you know, what you're saying with that and, and, you know, that line of being a team player but I think if if teachers were more willing to do that, to say, this is not in my wheelhouse, it gives the people whose wheelhouse that is a chance to play a bigger role on the team. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, the team player, they want you to just take on things. But we know that great teams, whether they're in sports or in business or even just, you know, the team that we have at LED, everyone does their part and you know, the best teams are built to, you know, have complementary strengths on the team. You can't have, you know, people with all the exact same skill set. Right. You can't have five Michael Jordans on one team. Yeah. You know, you can't have five LeBron Jameses on one team. It's not going to work. You know, I think that when you look at it, you know, I, I go back to sports metaphors. You know, you're a former coach, you know, and, and, and so you understand is that when you look at the fact of great teams are not always the teams with the greatest players. It's those teams that technically understand the concept of team the greatest. You know, I look at, you know, I was watching, they were talking about Tom Brady's receiving core, how if you put them on any other NFL team, those guys probably be second string, third string at best. But you put them at the helm with Tom Brady and with a coach like Bill Belichick in a system that works for them and say, hey, look, I just need you to go out there and go get it. It works for them. And I think finding those teams, because you say, how does he get open? How does he, how does he know he's going to be there? But it's the idea that I know his strengths. He may not be the fastest guy out there, but he's shifty. So I'm going to play to his shiftiness. Oh, I have a speedster over here. So I'm going to tell you, you're going to go all the way out. And I think, like you said, it gives other people an opportunity to say, hey, look, I, I'm not the fast guy, but he is. You know, right. hey, I'm the technology guy, but, you know, the other day my computer broke down and Miss such and such came and helped me out. You may want to go talk to her. And it opens up that, that, that conversation between colleagues that says, you know what, number one, I'm not ashamed to say I don't know how to do something. Right. You know, if we're in education. If we're in education and we don't, we, we, we're still hung up on, I have to be the expert in everything, yeah. then we're not leaving any room for our own personal growth. Right. Which is a lot of teachers get stagnated in what they do. 
one, I think a lot of new teachers especially get overwhelmed with that concept of having to be the expert. And, you know, the things you don't know are a gift because those are the things that you can grow and that's all the space you have to learn. But, I mean, even with us, you know, when we started building the team around us, which is just us and our board right now, we knew and I knew that my strength is not very detailed work of filling out papers and, and um, doing numbers. It, it's not what I do a, best. Yeah, you're doing a pretty good job at it right now, even though it's not your strength. Yeah. But you're learning, and that's something yeah. that you I'm not there. So it's right. like every knowledge is an opportunity for growth. Yeah, but I mean, we, we've put the two of us in a situation where the majority of what I do is is idea curriculum development and working with people because that's my greatest skill set that's why we have ben uh you know who's a very analytical marine reserve uh computer programmer and your wife grants grants and and all those things and victor and and you know the, the best thing about that is all of you know that i can sometimes turn into a hot air balloon where i just am am up in the clouds, but you all know, and you can kind of recognize that to where you can pull me back into a space where I can do that. Because the problem I've had for so long is really taking the, the, the big picture goals and and making them into turning it into tangible parts to where I can say, okay, this is what we need to do. I, I have to reverse engineer thing. I have to start with the end and then, and work my way backward to, to the beginning, but you know, we, we've put a team together with us that they, they understand who we are and, and, and why we do the things we do. Right. And I want to, I want to touch on that reverse engineering just a bit um, because I think that is so critical in everything. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, we were sitting in New Mexico at a table with educators and we asked the question, what's the end game for education? And everyone at the table looked stunned. And, you know, you would want to say, oh, it's college and career readiness, but is it really? You know, it, some people say, oh, it's, it's technology or it's, you know, but what is the real end game? And I think the end game is a society based off the fundamental principles that will make it successful and sustainable for the next generation. So when you think of that in that light, then it says to me that if little Johnny says, hey, I want to be a carpenter, then we need to put a hammer in his hand as soon as possible. We need to get him a piece of wood and some saws and say, hey, Johnny, let's see what you can do with this. Because those are skills that, 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 that are needed, but we've taken all of that out of schools. And I think because we've lost the focus of what the actual, what is the focus? What, what, why are we doing what we do? You know, we want to, you know, we want to make sure that kids can be successful on a test. But can we make sure that that same kid that's successful on the test has the cognition to learn, you know, has the ability to to retain information or does he just know how to test test really well? Right. Right. All right. So so to kind of wrap this thing up and put a bow on it, uh, we wrote down here, you know, prioritizing and setting boundaries. So, so what Uh-oh. can we leave the teachers with about? prioritizing and setting boundaries that, that they can put into practice? 
I think first thing is, is number one, know yourself, know your limitations. Um, before anything happens, you know, when they're developing communities and they're building communities, the very first thing they do is set the boundary. They draw boundary lines. And every home has its own distinct boundary line. My yard doesn't spill over into my neighbor's yard. Why? Because there's been a clear line drawn to say this is where my property ends. So this is the furthest that I can expand out in either direction. And I think as teachers, we need to realize that I have these compounds and these boundaries within myself that I know if I'm a math teacher and that's my area of expertise, then I'm going to focus on me being the best math teacher that I can be or social studies or science. And I'm going to set the boundaries to make sure I'm not volunteering to teach stuff that's not in my comfort zone. Well, I'm not even going to say comfort zone. That's not in my wheelhouse. You know, could I teach ELA? Yeah. Is that a strong sense of mine? No. No. I don't know phonemes and, you know, all these other things. I mean, that's not that's not where I'm at. You put me in an ELA classroom, I'd have to rely on my students to teach me more than I teach them. Um, but I think that if we're gonna do, if we're gonna leave on anything, it's just know yourself and be true to who you are, and don't try to be something for someone else. You know, I heard I was looking at a good quote from Ray Lewis that says the worst thing you could ever do is believe someone else's opinion of you. And I think when someone else says, oh, if you're not doing this, you're not a team player, that's their opinion. They don't know, again, like you say, just because I'm saying no to this, you don't know what my yes is going to. You don't know that I'm saying yes to my students, yes to curriculum, yes to content, yes to myself, you know, which is a big thing of setting those boundaries of knowing that when I get home, there's three people in my household that needs me. There's four people at home that needs me. And if I'm saying, yeah, I'll take on all these things and I never come home, then my priorities are not where they should be anyway. Yeah. And I think the other thing I would leave them with too is just, I, I know from experience and I know you know from experience that the fear of what we think the repercussions of saying no are going to be are far, far worse than what the repercussions actually are. And mm -hmm. You know, the, the person who takes it personally that you said no to them is not someone you really need to worry about. The people who are really worth having on your team are the people that respect you more because you were upfront and you said no. Absolutely. It's, it's much better to say no outright for, from the beginning and explain why. Or if you don't want to explain why, don't explain why. Then to take something on and two or three weeks or a month down the road have to constantly be talk, talk, talking to this person about why you couldn't get that task done. Absolutely. That's, that's not, because then that in the end is not in the best interest of the kids. And you know, the last thing I could kind of relate it to is, you know, if, if Ben and I and you were doing a workout, you know, in the garage or wherever, I don't want to come busting out of the gate with everything I've got right from the jump. Because then you're going to just be hanging on and surviving the rest of the way. I, in my opinion, and maybe this isn't a good analogy, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's better to say no to certain things leading up. And then as you get your feet settled, you can say, you, you can always say yes later. Mm. But once you've said no, you know, once you, 
You can say yes later, but if you don't say no to start, if it's a yes from the beginning, it's way harder to get out of that yes to, it's way harder to go yes to no than to go no to yes. And I'm going to tell you a funny thing, and I'm, I know we got to get out of here, but when I was, when I was training dogs, and, and I know people hate to use that analogy, but it's still training, it's still education, it's still learning. When I first learned to start training dogs, the very first word I teach my dog, besides their name, is no. And people say, well, why won't you teach them sit? Why won't you teach them lay lay down or, or stay? Well, the first thing that they need to understand is no. Because if something were to go on and the dog's instinct kicks in, I need them to understand, first and foremost, there's a boundary set with no. No builds a fence and says, if the gate is open and you see it open and you want to run out, my no should make you stop and don't forget about the fact that you could run out into the street and harm yourself. My no is that barrier between you going out unprepared or you staying back to where I need you to be. And I think that the most important thing that we can teach is the word no and the acceptance of the word no. You getting mad at me because I say no when all I'm telling you is that that's not something that I would like to do. Right. And I think it's that simple that when you say no, you cannot say yes to everything. But when you feel like you can't say no, check yourself and ask yourself, what is it that they're asking me to do? And is it something that I'm saying no because I just don't want to do it and I have the ability to? Or am I saying no because I have no clue how that's going to get done and I'm going to spend way too much time trying to get that done than actually doing it? Right. Absolutely. So that's a great spot to end. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in and listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that right now is to go on Facebook and like us. We are Lighthouse Educator Development. Until next time, this is Kyle and Wilkie out.